0: Just a quick update before we start the show. Starting in March, Down the Fandom Hole we will move to a monthly broadcast and will air on the second Friday of the month. I'm in the process of job hunting and decided it would be best to reduce the schedule time moving forward. And if you're interested in something new, Amelia Rowan and I will be hosting a monthly live event on my Discord server, The Fandom Hole, every third Sunday called Chit Chat and Cheesecake, where we talk about fandom creativity, current events, and invite audience members to ask questions or offer topics for discussion. To join in on Chit Chat and Cheesecake, click the link in the description. Come on down, join a live discussion, and make some new friends. Thanks for tuning in. This is Down the Fandom Hole, a podcast about the creative side of fandom and its amazing queer community. Join our host, fanfic writer and queer bear extraordinaire, Ayaka Spencer, as she and fellow fan creators share their fandom stories, talk creativity, and discuss inclusive spaces. While you listen, visit patreon.com slash down the fandom hole and check out the free companion post for this episode. There you'll find creative content from today's guests, recommendations and shout outs to other fandom creators, as well as links to follow Ayah and her guests. So hop to it and check it out. Hello, I'm Ayaka Spencer, and this is Down the Fandom Hole, conversations with me. My guest today is DKG, and she writes some amazing prose porn that I absolutely love. I've had a chance to get to know her a little bit. We talked about the reverse path she took to fanfic writing and her love of the fandom community. She is an absolute gem, and I'm so thankful she said yes to being on the show.
1: Thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me for that lovely introduction.
0: Well, I do love big words, so it's my, let's just call it a kink. I, I feel the same way.
1: <laughs> give, give, me, give me some, you know, five-syllable words and lovely syntax, and, you know, I, I'll be in my bunk. Excellent. All right, before we begin, what are your pronouns? I don't really have a preference. I'm quite used to she, her. They, them, occasionally. I have gotten the occasionally, occasional
0: mm-hmm. he has, but surprised me. Okay. Sounds good. To get this underway, what fandom got you started writing fan fiction? So the first fandom
1: I wrote for is Supercore. Mm-hmm. But I, I, li- I backed into fandom. I know most people see a show or a movie or read a book and they fall in love with the characters or, you know, some aspect of the world they feel the need to create for it. I did not do that. That's not what happened. Many, many years ago when I was a, a, a wee, wee bit of a, of a kid, mm-hmm. I, I wanted to be a comic book artist when I was young and I mm-hmm. drew quite a bit. And then as I got older, I started taking some, some you know, medication for my mental health. And it really, it, it blockaded my creativity where I didn't write. Not that I wrote a lot, but I did some poetry back then. I didn't draw at all. And I just went for, I went for eight years, not creating at all, just not feeling the urge. And then when I came out of that, that dark well, finally, what I wanted to do was write, which was not, you know, which was not my background at all. And I was working at a, you know, a, a national insurance firm at that point, a insurance brokerage. And the marketing person there, when she showed up, she and I looked at each other and both of our gay dogs paint. You know what I mean? <laughs> we were both like, that's a queer, that's a queer, that's a queer. We sort of just like nodded at each other, didn't uh-huh. say anything about it. And the first time we had a meeting alone, we both did the little, well, my partner, you know, we both like did the little slide, like, like flipping our pods up. And we're uh-huh. both like, yeah, queer. And then we were just the best of friends.
2: Uh-huh, and that's
1: wonderful. Yeah, when I was telling her that, you know, I, I was feeling like doing something creative and I was in the mood to write, she's like, well, have you ever done fan fiction? And I'm like, I don't know what that is. And apparently she had written for some soap opera and that's where she met her girlfriend. Right, so she had, she had done you know, soap opera fan fiction and they met through a message board or something. And she told mm-hmm. me about it and I was like, I have no idea what this is. And I went home and I Googled lesbian superhero and fan fiction because those were the things that interested me. And the first hit was Supercore. So I looked it up, it was on some TV show, Supergirl. It wasn't, this was while season two was playing live. So I watched YouTube clips of season two. That was my introduction to Katie McGraw. I was immediately hooked. There was so much chemistry with the two women and she was such an interesting character. I was like, I I want to do character studies of this Lena Luther. Mm -hmm. And I want to explore this relationship between the two of them. So having no writing experience, never having watched an episode, only seeing some clips and like knowing nothing about fanfic, I got myself a, you know, an AO3 account, waited waited a couple of days until I was approved. And then I wrote, you know, over the next seven months or so, I wrote a 200,000 word fic, which was my first story. And here's where I am.
0: What was the name of the story? Next of kin was the first pick I ever did. What about Supercorp called to you as a pairing? Well, I have to say the, the fandom definitely
1: helped. Like, as I said, originally, I just, I came into it blind and, you know, was, was stumbling around in the dark enough, but watching the clips, I read some other fan that were done. And I just loved the way other writers were exploring their relationship. I liked, I liked the whole Luther and a super. You know, mm-hmm. that that whole Romeo and Juliet kind mm-hmm. of, you know, way that, you know, these are the two people that can't get together. And this sort of like, but they have to then, don't they? Like mm-hmm. isn't isn't that the whole point of, of the great struggle? Isn't that why you're creating the art? So that that called to me, I'd like the universe. I'd always found Superman boring as hell, just because his his whole story was. He was raised as a baby, didn't remember having another life, but he had better pals than everyone else. And his really, really sad thing was that he had to keep it a secret. And I was like, so you have to keep a secret that you're really cool. And that's the tough part of your life. Mm -hmm. Okay. But then when you look at Supergirl, the the character, Mm -hmm. Kara Danvers, she has the memory of the place she lived. Mm -hmm. The last thing she saw was her entire planet, everyone she knew being destroyed. And then she got trapped for 24 years in the phantom zone you know possibly reliving the worst moment in anyone's life before she comes to earth and realizes that her cousin who she was supposed to make sure he knew his history has grown into an adult and is no longer kryptonian yeah he's culturally human but he has powers Mm -hmm. so she's failed in the one mission her parents gave to her the reason that they gave her life was to keep the culture alive and she failed in that you know which is cruel. Yes. So this girl is just layers and layers of PTSD. She's much more interesting.
0: She is. and un- unfortunately, the show never went into that any of that. Uh, agreed. It's
1: a it's a damn shame. We wanted, you know, good character studies on her. We wanted to see her get over her trauma, her deal with the fact that she felt like she failed her cousin, and instead we were getting, you know, CGI dragons out of the CW. I think they really missed the mark on what the viewers wanted. They were sold the hype of, you know, flash and costumes and such.
0: Um, well, I mean, if we were to believe any of the rumors about how they really wanted Superman, but they couldn't have Superman and you know, they had to deal with Supergirl makes you feel like maybe they just did what they thought they had to, just to fill airtime. And every so often a gem would pop up like season three. So I didn't watch any
1: of season three. Three because like the the, because of the nazi crossover what okay there were uh, there, there were a lot of you know jewish people who had asked you know you know please don't do this mm-hmm. you're not you're not going to be handling this well we don't want the holocaust commercialized and the cw went ahead with it anyhow so i said well i'm, I'm not going to support that so i just didn't watch season three
0: it really is unfortunate that they did that because season three is because of sam arias's character way better which is and, unfortunate. It's riddled with that uh, controversy. I didn't even realize about that.
1: No, and and I think I think a lot of people don't, you know, don't look at aren't part of the discourse about, you know, some of the things behind the fandom and I'm I'm certainly not deep within it, but I heard enough of that to just, you know, feel like it, to me it wasn't worth watching a TV show if the people who are saying, you know, what you're doing is an, an insult to our to our ancestors, you know, to our families. So,
0: yes. Especially with the political climate right now where we all have to be concerned about the butt hurt of white people, mm-hmm. which, you know, I'm like, you, you guys don't like all these things, but you literally are crying about your own history. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of the currently living whites have to deal with the fact that they might see their ancestors in these photos of all these things that culturally and societally have now become wrong but not to the point where they can't have laws be passed where their feelings are comforted and buffered from the reality of what their ancestors did.
1: I think when we put the feelings of, you know, when we make the excuse of, I don't want my child to have to feel guilty for something that was done by one of their ancestors, when we want to protect, you know, when, when white people, and I'll say we, I, I, am, I am as white as you can get, Um, You know, many, many layers of Northern European living in the United States. When you want to protect your children from hearing things that might make them feel a little guilt, but at the same time, you're not saying that those things have an impact on children who are brown, black, Mm -hmm. and maybe they need protection and maybe they need reparations of some kind, right? When we're not willing to, to look at, yes, those things have an impact, but what do they have?
0: I also think that the truth is, is the kids aren't going to feel the same shame as the parents are, because the parents know much better now, as opposed to maybe the kids will view it as something to fix, as mm-hmm. opposed to something to be ashamed of. Like, it's not their fault that a black child was th- stoned by their grandparents or their, you know, parents. This is not that is not actually their burden. It is part of their history and it is just as much their responsibility to work to change it but it is not their shame it doesn't have to be their shame it is their parent's shame because their parents aren't that far removed from what their grandparents did but these are my opinions i could be completely wrong but i feel like children are more likely wanting to fix the problem than to feel guilty about the problem because guilt is taught you know you don't feel guilt you feel bad but guilt is a stronger emotion that, if taken wisely and handled better, doesn't have to be so bad. At least in my opinion.
1: I no, no, I, opinion I don't there. I don't think you're wrong. And I think I think the the bigger issue comes when you're not willing to face mm-hmm. the mistakes of the past.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: When we say we want to protect our children from what happened in the past, what we're really saying is we want to, you know, protect our grandparents from consequences of things that they did in the past because we don't want our children looking negatively upon them
0: but that's just and i'm I'm not attacking you but that's bs because the children of the black people who've had to live through that i mean the girl who was i forgot what her name was but she's only 67 right now she could live for another 30 years and she would still have that history as part of her life being the only girl in a classroom for an entire year being yelled at by adults, how much of a animal she was or n- terrible, horrible names. That's part of her history. And her, every brown child, every black child who still has to deal with the ancestor of that white person does not get away from it. They don't because their parents have to teach them. Okay, now if you see a white cop, you better be careful. You, you be respectful. You do all these things. They have to teach their children Skills that a little white girl or boy does not have to be taught because they are on the side of the oppressor. Ruby Bridges, I believe is, is her name. Yes, yes, Ruby Bridges. Yes. Thank you. All good. I, I agree
1: with you. My, I, what I was trying to say was they're in, they're, white people are saying they want to shield their children, but what they're actually trying to do is shield the people who did the wrong thing from the consequences of their action, right? If you If you hide the information about something that my grandfather did, Mm-hmm. That doesn't protect me. It protects my relationship with him. It protects the way I look at him. Mm-hmm. And there should be consequences to our actions.
0: I agree. And
1: if our if our consequence is, you know, you look at your grandfather and say, you know, you fought against segregation, and their answer is, it was a different time. You know, mm-hmm. I just I always find that well, he's old or she's old. You know, they can't keep up with the times. That's just the biggest BS. That's a choice to to sit in your privilege to enjoy the past when you had more rights than other people.
0: And if you really wanted to make things better, you would le- You would know that in order to get to that other side, you have to walk through the flame of your history. You cannot say, oh, we're just not going to deal with that and hope to God that everything pans out because your children will never see the full picture. I mean, we see that we
1: see that with prison sentences all the time, right?
0: They never say,
1: you know what? Let's just, uh, you know, you murdered someone, but let's let the past be in the past. Don't do it again.
2: You know, we don't want anyone
1: to feel guilty about it. You, if you do something wrong, there are consequences, mm-hmm. right? And I, I think we can also use that when we look at criminal justice. The consequences exist not just for that person, but they're supposed to teach society that if they break these covenants of how we're supposed to act and treat others, they'll also have those consequences. And I think that's something that we need to do, you know, that the white community needs to stand up for and say, yes, we need to have consequences if we don't wanna repeat these atrocities.
0: Yep, but you know, in order to do that, that means that they're gonna have to come to grips with the fact that here's the thing, right? This is my thought process on this. If we are so concerned, not us, but the people at the very top are so concerned with the poorest of poor white people punching down and being angry at the richest of Black persons still thinking that they are the best, it will deconstruct the entire scaffolding of which it is built upon.
1: You're you're not wrong. I mean, this is, it's, it is very purposefully done. We have a minority of people have that have almost mm-hmm. all the power, almost all the money, almost mm-hmm. all the control, and to keep the masses, to keep the majority from looking at them and saying, wait, that's imbalanced. They just do a, you know, don't look at the wizard behind the curtain. It's that person over there. You wouldn't be as poor as you are. You wouldn't struggle as much as you did if it wasn't for poor people whose skin is a different color or poor people who came from another country or poor people who worship differently than you did. And, and it, it makes no sense. These, You know, you're blaming people who don't have power, who don't have control, who don't have money for the fact that you also don't have these things.
0: It's like that reverse victim crap that is, I can't, I can barely explain it, but basically they're both the victims of the same crime, but one doesn't want to believe they're a victim while the other one has no choice, but to be the victim because the one who could be an ally doesn't see that they're just being manipulated with either their morality or their idea of an American dream or whatever. So they could equally be on the same level, but they don't realize that I have no more power than you do. I cannot be the one harming you at the rate in which you are being harmed, you know? I, I, I agree with
1: you. I think it's, it's fairly obvious who's making the laws, who's benefiting from the laws, who has the power, who has the wealth. Mm -hmm. I don't know where the disconnect, not wanting to believe that maybe the people who are not and not just doing well, the people who are doing so well that others have to die in order for them to do that well,
0: Mm -hmm. maybe we should be looking at them a little more closely. I know, but it would be like hurting cats because everyone has their own agenda and everybody wants the golden ladder rings. But in, in order to get there, you have to be the diamond in the rough that the rich want you to be.
1: It also means that, you know, the little groups of Davids that we are, that we have to fight Goliath and it's easier to fight more Davids, but Mm -hmm. but there's an old joke. Someone Mm -hmm. under a spotlight, looking around, trying to find something. Someone says, what happened? He said, oh, I lost my car keys. They were like, oh, let me help you look. So they get down and they look around and after a couple of minutes, they're like, you sure you dropped them there? And the person's like, oh no, I dropped them over there, but the light is better here. Oh, for fudge sake. (laughs) Right. But that's what, that's what we're doing, right? Is this the problem? No, but it's easier here, right? We're not going to get anywhere. We're not going to solve this issue by you know, looking at other people who are suffering the same way and blaming them for, for it, but they're easier targets. If there's less, there's less effort. So we either have the choice of maybe doing something that we may not be able to win to get an effect,
0: mm-hmm. or
1: doing something that we may be able to win
0: to get no effect. And we're taking the path of least resistance and least rewards. Well, yeah, but we're being told that they are filled with rewards, right?
1: But that's, I think if you, if you take five minutes to look into that, it's clearly not there. I think if they hear what they want to hear, Mm -hmm. they accept it. If they start hearing the things they don't want to hear, Mm -hmm. they stop listening. They tune Mm -hmm. out, they turn off the news. Mm -hmm. They're, they're just, they just want to go deeper and deeper and just receive information that agrees with their preconceived notions. And that doesn't help anybody grow. There's no intellectual curiosity in there. I I don't understand why people do it. I've felt it to a bit myself. I've heard news where I was like, oh, I don't like that. And my instinct is to shut it off. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't help me to grow. No, it doesn't.
0: But, you know, we're not told to grow either, if you really think about it. In those specific areas where they want people to maintain the status quo, they are not told to grow. They are told to fight for what they know. And because it's always been done this way, that saying that keeps you stagnant, that's what they're doing. It's like, we don't want to change things because it works out this way. We don't want to change things because it's good for someone else. But not really for you. You just don't realize it because you're blinded by something else.
1: We can look at the American education system, you know, show that, they don't want an educated masses,
0: right? No, if they did, they'd have home economics as a mandatory. They'd have home finance as a mandatory. They would have credit understanding as a mandatory. They would have all the things we actually need in order to have the ability to take care of ourselves. But, you know, and apparently it's only the job of the parents who might not have these skills. They're like, mm, sorry. Want they care. probably
1: don't have the skills because they went through the same education system. That didn't prioritize them didn't make them available
0: you know only rich people teach their children how to manage money or to make money or to do something they teach their children about money if you are poor and you're living hand to mouth you do not have the time or the spoons to teach your children that what you are able to teach them are the same bad habits some of them are not don't get me wrong but it just perpetuates the same problem which is very sad you have to have the time and the spoons to be able to learn new things. Cause if you have to work 12 hour shifts, six days a week, you're not going to have the wherewithal to try to better yourself. You're too tired.
1: I, I think that that same lesson exists in isms, you know, xenophobia, mm-hmm. homophobia, racism, all of those. I feel like you need to not have to be fighting to survive, trying to make ends meet to care, you know, whether or not the, the, People who live in the house next to you are both female and in some sort of intimate relationship. Mm-hmm. Like how, how little is going on in your life that that is your priority?
0: But see, that's the thing. Their lives actually are shitty. So how, what makes you feel better when you can voice that shittiness onto someone else? That's the unfortunate bit. That's human nature sometimes. It's not right, but it's if, easier if to you, punch down. If you can't lift yourself up, if you push others down, the view's better somehow. True but your view isn't any higher
1: agreed. But yeah, you look around and you say, I'm higher than these people. And they used to be as high as me. Mm-hmm. Therefore I'm doing better. It's not accurate, yeah. but you can, you know, it's an illusion. You can sell yourself.
0: Yeah, this is true. So when we talked in the pre-chat, you talked about how you like to use your writing as a means of honing your skills. Would you like to talk a little bit more about that? Sure. So I
1: came into writing with the concept that I wanted to learn how to write, that I liked the idea of being a writer, but didn't know how to be a writer. And then I had a lot of ideas spinning around in my head, but turning them into something digestible was another matter. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times when I approach a story, it isn't so much a, I have this great plot and I just, I need to share it. It may be, I wonder what would happen if I approached it from a different angle. Like before, when you were talking about taking someone out of the timeline in order to make the world better. You know, would you do that? And, you know, my, my take was like, well, what if we set it after that happened and I had to go back and put the person back in? So I like to, I like to explore different aspects. And, and I also like to just work on some basic skills. It's something as simple as keeping the same tense, doing, you know, show, not tell, not head jumping so that you have a consistent point of view. So I think there are some very mechanical skills you can learn. While you're also learning to tell a new story or to tell a story that's been told before, but turn it on its head and tell it differently enough that it feels like a new story or at least a new take on it.
0: So when we talked before, you told me your you had three favorite fix. It was The Day That Lena Luther Dies mm-hmm. to Catch a Thief. Mm-hmm. And it's called When the Sun Stands Still, We Must Part, But I'll Hurry Back to You, My Love which is part of the 12 Days of Supercorp. That title was almost as long as the fic. What was I thinking? (laughs) It was a very good fic. I really did like how you um, made the four characters, Alex, Kelly, was it Mm -hmm. Kelly? Kelly, Kara, and Lena into the four seasons. Lena and Kara being summer and winter made complete sense. Kelly, a spring and Alex, is fall made complete sense. And I loved how you crafted it to be where they come in through a portal and it's the ending of the season. So my guess is that you're talking about the seasons as they, as they relate to the different hemispheres. Correct. Which was just like, wow, this is kismet. This is perfect because Alex really did embody Fall Kelly's sweet innocence and the way she abused the world. There is an innocence and a renewal to the way she looks at the world. It was a very, it was a very sweet fic to be able to read it without having their names, but knowing exactly who you were talking about. What kind of inspired that? So we had 12 prompts for that, right? And Mm -hmm. that one I believe
1: was, I think it was Winter Solstice was the entire prompt.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And I wanted to do, one of the big things I wanted to do, I wanted to have one thing in that series where I did not use the characters' names, but yet I made them recognizable. Mm -hmm. That was a kind of a challenge for myself. Like, can I do this? And I wanted to do a little bit. I mean, the description is there, but beyond that, I wanted to do it through the personalities. Mm-hmm. So, can I consistently characterize them in a way that without their names, people can recognize them as, as those canon characters in an AU, mm-hmm. which, and it's not, you know, no one's a Luther. There's no superpowers. There's no
2: mm-hmm. you know,
1: aliens coming in, completely set apart. So, for me, those are the kind of things where I like to challenge myself. Mm -hmm. and it's a lot of times it's can I do this or what would it take to do this as opposed to here's a story I want to tell and all of those those 12 there's 12 of them I wrote each one of those in the beginning of the day and then would post it that night so that was the other thing I wanted to challenge myself with can Uh I write a bigger day and and post it every day what was that like that was something I'm not going to do again (laughs) <laughs> it's something nice to have done, but not something nice to do. Probably the first three were fine. And I was like, I'm a superstar. Look at me go. No one ever written like this. <laughs> and then around four or five, I was like, oh, mistakes were made. I see. Yeah, it's not something I would repeat, but I'm I'm glad I, I, I'm glad I challenged myself on it because too often we work towards perfection as opposed to getting a, a workable product out there which mm-hmm. can then later be perfected
0: yeah which, sometimes it's just enough is good enough
1: when I did Nano NaNoWriMo this year one of the things that we kept telling each other was give yourself permission to suck mm-hmm. because when we write we're like I don't like that line I don't the syntax there's something wrong there mm-hmm. I'm not comfortable with this and then you spend two weeks just going over one line of dialogue mm-hmm. in a thick. You know, when you could have written 10,000 words in that time frame Mm -hmm. and gone back to it, or maybe when you go back to it, you're like, actually, that was pretty good. I don't know what I was on at that point. So I think you have to let yourself be mediocre sometimes, as opposed to pushing yourself down, stopping yourself from making any progress, because unless it's perfect out the gate, you're not willing to accept that.
0: Yeah, I think that there's a quote that says, don't let perfect be the enemy of done something Mm -hmm. like that. Well, well said. Another fic that you really enjoyed, and I've just started to read it, was To Catch a Thief. What was the inspiration behind that one? First,
1: I wrote a very short fic. And one, this is one of the, I say very short, it was about 2,000 words. And for me, that's that short. Keep in mind that my first fic was over 200,000. Right. So, and I've realized that it's, I really need to truncate my words. I really need to find ways to be more succinct than what I'm writing. And that's something I've been working on probably the past year or two, mm-hmm. to say mm-hmm. more with less, as opposed to saying less with more, which is where I used to be. So when I wrote "It Takes a Thief," which mm-hmm. was the the short that is a prequel, as a uh, excuse me, is a sequel to the other one, I just wanted to write a, a little 2,000 you know thick word, keep it around 2K, and I wanted to write something where uh, it was an AU which I've really gotten into. I hated the one I started. I was like, "That's not even Supergirl. What are you doing?" But now I find them much more attractive as I have more control and, and can be more expressive in them. So I just wanted to wa- write one where it started as looking as if Kara was chasing Lena, but then when you get to the end of it, you find out that they're a team and it's you know something they're doing all along. <gasps> and I what right so so the way spoiler spoiler sorry oh god. But- No, not the fic you're reading, another fic, different fic that's related to it. So, I mean, shock and surprise, the fic you're reading, Sukukura Endgame, okay? Right.
0: (laughs) That's the one guarantee. (laughs) It's the one guarantee.
1: But when I wrote the prequel, which I wrote first, it's again, Kara is chasing a thief. And when she catches the thief, you find out it's her wife. And this is just a security exercise they did because Kara is a security expert. And I was like, that's a really cute story. I wonder what happened before that. And then when I did the Supercore Big Bang. Wait a second.
0: Wait a second. Wait a second. Mm -hmm. So So you're telling me the prequel I am currently on chapter three on is all about Lena not actually being an art thief? No, that
1: is not what I'm telling you. Okay. I'm telling you that the story you're reading right now is where Lena is an odd thief and before the two of them get together. But then I wrote the sequel first and in the sequel, they're married.
0: Okay, 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 okay. Boom, my head's blown. All right, continue, I'm sorry.
1: No, 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 it's fine. So when I, I liked that short that I wrote enough mm-hmm. or I liked the concept of those characters, I should say more, that I really, I wanted to get to know them. I wanted to actually create a larger world for them and let them grow and develop. And I wanted to see some of the other people in that world also. It, it was the first time I did a non-binary Alex, which was... Yes,
0: you kept um, saying there. It took me a while to realize what was going on. Yeah, and uh, I, I mean,
1: I, I do identify as non-binary, but I'd never written a non-binary character before. And I think the only reason I haven't hadn't done it was because I hadn't seen it and... I mean, what's the whole point of doing fan fiction if you're not trying to create what's missing in the world according to you? Very true, very true. So I got to I got to sort of develop and expand that world. And there's, I won't spoil this part for you, but that there is an interesting morality behind what Nina's doing in in the
0: in the fic. I don't know if you've gotten in the, into that that far yet. No, I'm only on chapter three. I'm like okay. at the beginning of chapter three. I'm like, it- I thought it was only 39,000 words but then i looked and i'm like this is 82,000 i was very wrong so oh, is it 82,000 yes in oh, okay. 13 chapters i'm like holy <laughs> how do people do that <laughs> i i write very quickly i think you know i can have a concept like my first draft okay this is this is the truth my first draft looks like a freaking eighth grader with illiterate wow. eighth grader wrote it you're like what the fuck and I'm like what the fuck and then I go back to it and I start like oh okay I could do this I could do that I could do this I could do that and then it starts to make better sense and then one of my betas get a hold of it and then it makes more sense and then one of my betas we shall call her Emmy says like you can write more and I'm like how and then she tells me and that is the way that my work gets out into the world I tend to just regurgitate a lot of words onto a page
1: fairly quickly. I take a big inhalation and then I just write, 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 write. You know, if I if I have a good idea, or I can sit down in two hours and write a short bit with you know two two k or so.
0: Wow,
1: it's pretty good. I had a week where I did a lot of writing. This is for an original piece. It came out to about I shouldn't say a week a time frame. So in about three weeks, I wrote about eighty five thousand words on the story. Wow. So and then and then there were other days that I'm like, you know, what's fascinating this spot on the wall. I think I'll do <laughs> nothing but stare at it. That sounds productive. It can
0: be if you have nothing better to do. It can be. <laughs> we need to let
1: ourselves do that, though. Yes, creation is inhaling and exhaling. You can't continually exhale. No, you so need to take that time and inhale.
0: I feel like resentment sometimes can build from that if you don't take those moments for yourself.
1: And for me, that moment could be a day. It could be two or three weeks. And that was tough to me when I first came to fanfic because I felt like, well, I now I have to get another chapter out. I have to finish this. I have to, you know, I spoke to someone. And I said, I might do that. Now I have to do it. But I've gotten to the point. I'm, I've definitely gotten better at, at self-care and, and loving myself
0: on that. Well, these are good segues for two questions. What is sort of your ritual when you start to get into the mindset of writing? How does DKG sit down and write a story. So I'm a heavy plotter. I, I have,
1: uh, with my, my BFF, she and I have created a fairly detailed outline document that I use. It's actually a spreadsheet, which I love spreadsheets. Is this and something no, you'd be
0: willing to share?
1: I mean, it's, I, I've, I've shared it with people all over the place.
0: Uh, I can share it on the, on your Patreon companion posts if you're down for that. You, yeah. can, you can send I'll, it to I'll, me and I'll share it.
1: Yeah, I'll send, I'll send you the template. Anyone who wants to use it is welcome to. Cool. I actually really like making pieces like that mm-hmm. that I hope will help people to create. I, I, I feel like in a creative space, we should be here to support each other. So when I have an idea, the first thing I do is I just open a Google Doc and I just write. I just, you know, spill something out. And if the only thing I get is a sentence or paragraph and that's all I have on it, at least it's gotten out of the way. I find that if I don't at least write it down, it just, it rolls around in my brain mm-hmm. and it just blocks me from creating other things. So that's that's my first step. If I write it out and I have multiple paragraphs and ideas and I can see where it's going,
2: mm-hmm.
1: then my next step is I'm gonna put it into a full outline and where each chapter, it's it's a separate Google doc and it, each one is linked to a spot in the sheet on one on one tab. And then I have character tabs and I'll have a timeline tab, which will tell me the things that happened to the characters before the story started. So I can be consistent and I can understand their background a little better. I can have a tab for maps, if there's a magic system, I have a tab for that to explain the magic system. So I, I outline and then I start writing built off that outline. And after probably you know about 25, 30% into the fact, I thoroughly wanted off my outline. But I needed it to get started. I I rarely stay with the, with the outline throughout the whole story.
0: Really? So you kind of go into planter. Or-
1: Correct. But I, I find that unless I have unless I have a road map to tell me where I think I want to go, I'll stand around idly going, how do I start this? Mm-hmm. But if I create a detailed plan, then because as you write, you get to know the characters better, right? If you, especially if you're doing original stories right. where you've never written them before. So you'll be writing them and, you know, five chapters ago when you started, you thought, and when I get to this point, she's going to admit that she loves this person and here's what happens. And then you get to that point and you go, she would never do that. She's too pissed at that person for what they did a while ago. She's going to tell them to go to hell and she's going to move to another city. And you're like, well, that's a completely different story. But I think when you write work that's character driven as opposed to plot driven, you have to give yourself freedom to be true to the character as opposed to forcing, shoehorning a character into a plot that makes no sense for them.
0: This is true. I make outlines and then do not follow them at all because they're ideas and constructs that I don't always agree with. There you go. There's no wrong way to write, just write. True. You got to just put it out there. What was it like that first time when you posted Next of Kin? Absolutely terrifying. It was one of the harder things I've ever done to actually put up
1: a story, especially I wasn't part of fandom. I didn't mm-hmm. know anybody. Like literally I knew no one in fandom. I wasn't on social media at all. I hadn't watched an episode of Supergirl, right? Mm-hmm. So I knew no one. I figured out kind of what AO3 was and you know, posting. I'm like, what do I click now? What's this? And I posted something. And then I was like, I don't know what happens, but I'm pretty sure I just shared something with anyone that cared to look at it. And then I got comments back and I was like, oh, we talk now. That's kind of cool. And I just started responding to every comment and having conversations with people. And there was a lot of encouragement, you know, especially me as a a complete newbie, didn't know what I was doing. And I got a couple more chapters each up. And and each time I was, you know, literally nauseous after posting the chapter, just with concerns that this time, having no idea what I was doing, I was going to anger someone or hurt somebody. Mm-hmm. because I was you know because people I thought cared a lot more about the characters than I did because I didn't know them and I keep get, kept getting encouragement and I found people who were like hey are you on tumblr and I was like I don't know what that is and they were like <laughs> well here, here's what it is and here's how you do it and then I was on tumblr and I'm like oh I still don't know what this is and then I started talking to people in fandom and just found a beautiful community that was very welcoming very mm-hmm. willing to let me Stumble my way through into a world that they cared about and were willing to share their thoughts and feelings with me. And it was just a glorious experience.
0: Sounds like fandom has kind of become a great place to discover a little bit more about yourself. Is that kind of what fandom is to you or is there more to it?
1: So I, I mean, I've definitely grown as a, grown as a person in, in fandom. I've met people from uh, across the globe. I've, you know, met people from different cultures who were kind enough to share bits of their language, you know, their stories with me. And I think it it makes the world seem so much larger because you find out so much more that's out there, but at the same time, it makes it smaller Mm -hmm. because you have contacts across the world and I've definitely become less ignorant. I'm still incredibly ignorant. I think we all are, but you know, that's, that's a process. So for me, fandom was, let's just, you know, look at the word fandom, right? Fan is from fanatic, right? right? And then dome, you know, the Latin word domus is home. So it's it's a home where you can be fanatical about something. So a safe place where you can just be excited about something and be with other people who are as excited about it. And I think that was a lot for me. You know, as a kid, you're going to love some TV show or whatever. And maybe you'll have a best friend who loves it too. And the two of you are at that point are your fandom. And your parents are sort of like, okay, that's nice kids, don't get into any trouble. So to me, it was wonderful to find people who were completely accepting, who were as excited about creation and characters and fictional people as I was, as opposed to, you know, when are you gonna grow up? When are you going to stop loving these childish things? Which is, I think a lot of what we get out in the world. So for me, fandom is just really a place
0: where you can be who you are and be unapologetic about it. That's true. There is a childlike innocence that is allowed to be in fan fiction. Like hardly ever do you find people who are like, oh, you're, you're 50 years old and you write fan fiction. That's so awesome. It's not like it's people treat it as a bad thing. You know, people outside of fandom, fan fiction, who don't have those same ideals of community, they tend to look at it like, oh, why are you doing this? Why are you mm-hmm. engaging in this? But within the community itself, there's a lot of acceptance and support. And for myself, I wish that that was something that could, and I hope it can become something that kind of ripples outwards, you know, where they go, hey, I found this cool community. And maybe it's the Damie fandom from Bly Manor, Danny and Jamie, their love of these two canon characters. Like within the fandom itself, you will rarely find a happy ending story. Like it is hard to find a happy ending story they almost always keep it where danny still ends up dying but you have these beautiful stories where they talk about their lives together about how they make those lives i really only started to touch on it with um anna morris and i really want to try to get more into that fandom but it's very hard to find a story where they haven't accepted the end but they try to make whatever happens before the end really beautiful
1: it's sort of a good analogy for everybody, though, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we we all have an inevitable end that we're going to get to one day. Mm-hmm. But why not enjoy the time that you have?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Why, why focus on, you know, one day I'm going to be dead? Yes, everybody is. We're all dying. It's just a matter of how we spend the time that we have.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: that fandom, I think probably the show itself embraced that quite frankly. Mm-hmm.
0: I did not watch it. Terrified of it. It's not scary.
1: I I'm know, a huge, but the music. I am a huge but. You I like I am like if something's a little scary, I'm like I need a girl to hold me so I can put a blanket over my head and I can hide on the couch in her lap. Mm-hmm. Honey, protect me. Like that's exactly <laughs> how I am. I watched that alone by myself at night. I was fine. <laughs> there were there were a couple of sort of like jump scare moments early on,
0: uh-huh. but
1: overall it's just
0: yeah. Uh, maybe
1: it was just that I was too intrigued by the story as I watched it unfold. So.
0: Maybe you were caught up in all the cute domestic moments or whatever. C- correct. Correct. I, I'm not 100% sure. All I know is that we might be watching it on Audio Frick Books. So that might be cool.
1: Oh, I would I would absolutely watch it there. Yeah. I just, I just joined that all of yesterday, as you know. Very, very nice community. and Interesting concepts.
0: Lots of different fandoms, which is nice. They try to really showcase the different ones. I love that place.
1: Yeah, I'm, I never read Swan Queen, but, you know, I'm familiar with them. But I, I got to hear a fic on it today, read by somebody. So that was great. I, I look forward to
0: learning. Oh, nice. Was it, what, time, what was like 12 o'clock, right? Or something? Yes, it was.
1: It, that, that was my my lunch sort of break. But what's nice is because it's just, you don't have to look at it. You know what I mean? I can, I can make a spreadsheet while somebody reads a
0: fake dating AU about mm-hmm. Swan Queen. I'm like, how good is my life right now? You should see when they read smut and people are on the bus and they're like, I'm trying not to blush. And someone is moaning out moist, wet heat. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was born without the smut gene. Like I, I can't write it. I feel weird. I think I would be okay with original stories. I think part of it for me is I see, I see the smut, read the smut. I think about the characters but realize <laughs> they're portrayed by actors. Mm-hmm. And I think, oh, I shouldn't say that about them. And it just makes me uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, I know what you mean. The only way I can kind of get over it is to, realize, is to just fully embody Lena Luther as Lena Luther, as though she is an actual person, as opposed to Katie McGraw portraying Lena Luther. It's not that I really think the actors would care, to be honest, right? I hope you at know? least not. Could you imagine if, like, well, Katie they don't McGraw read it or- to start oh. with, right? They avoid that. Some of but them do. Y- Katie McGraw does read fan fiction. Oh God, no! Don't tell me that. That's horrible.
1: <laughs> oh well, now I'm I'm doubly glad, glad I don't write smut because if I was going to write smut, it would be about murder. Me
0: I mean, portraying good smut isn't necessarily bad. It's the dirty, filthy, you know, hard, kinky stuff that might be a little bit difficult. To. I, can,
1: I, don't, I don't think there's a, a wrong way to do it so long as you're not hurting yourself or someone else,
0: right? Mm-hmm. I agree. But there are hard kinks, you know, there are sure. levels to kinks.
1: Happily, we have a place. I would much rather have people say, I have this odd kink. I really need to explore it. And I'm going to do art is unusual. Let me say an unusual kink. So a non common one. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to explore it by writing some stories, right? I, yeah, I wish wrong with it. I, completely no, agree. That, I think that's very healthy and I'm sure a therapist would be like yeah you write yourself a story about that
0: I mean and a good therapist is like well if you really want to explore BDSM you really make sure you do it properly learn about it things like that but then you've got the bad therapist you're like you probably shouldn't do that that's kind of frowned upon in which case it just invalidates your desires correct walk away people walk away What do you do for self-care? We are in the midst of a pandemic. The world is kind of turned up outside its head. You have this fandom, which is great, but how do you take care of yourself in your offline life? I find writing very relaxing when I'm not cursing at
1: it. I mean, that's definitely a thing that I do, but I, I drink a lot of herbal tea. There is, or at least I have a lot of herbal tea. It's not Mm -hmm. always about the drinking. Sometimes it's just about the company of having a teacup on your desk and I think the biggest thing I've done is reconstruct the way I speak to myself. So if if I'm supposed to meet somebody and they forget, or I, I'm not going to, you know, tell them, moron, what were you doing? How can mm-hmm. you forget? You're such a loser. But if I was supposed to meet someone and I forget, I find that I would have spoken to myself in that way. So I've I've started to to learn to use a voice for myself that I would use for anyone I love. Mm-hmm. So treat myself with love. If I make a mistake, I'm I'm human and I have to forgive myself for it. If I'm making the same mistake consistently and there are things that I can be doing about it, then have a conversation with myself. But just telling myself I'm an idiot it doesn't get me any place. So I think the biggest thing I do for self-care is just be kind to myself, use, use words when I speak to myself that I would use when I speak to others.
0: Do you have any other rituals that you do like Like you were talking about tea. Do you ever like sit and just enjoy your cup of tea while you do nothing?
1: I will read a book and light a candle. I have a nice, what's a candle I have on my desk right now. It is smoked walnut and maple. We got this one for
0: Christmas. Nice, nice big candle. Uh, Like from Bath and Body Works? It is from Woodwick. Is the wick inside actually made of wood? It, It might be. I think it
1: is. And it's, it's shaped like a cross, like a, like an X. Instead of being a, a round wick, it's a cross shape and it crackles as it burns. It must be wood then. It's very nice. I'm a, I'm a big fan. And I've had the candle for, I got it for Christmas and I've been burning it on and off for a while. And it's it's lasting. So
0: yeah. sometimes candles lovely. are just nice to smell and have in your room. So was there a fear of rejection when you did your first post? Oh, absolutely. How did you still decide I'm going to post it? So.
1: Let me just say, I still have a fear of rejection.
2: Mm-hmm. Almost
1: five years after doing this, it, it is not as big as it used to be, mm-hmm. um, but it's still there. I still have hesitancy. I talk about it. It's more like Schrödinger's thick, where it is both the best and worst thing I've ever written until I hear back from the readers. But I, I, I think, I think the reason I finally posted was knowing that if I wanted to do this. I would never get any better unless I took that first step and even if people didn't like the story that wasn't a reflection on how they felt about me especially since these were people who didn't know me right and I think that was a big part for me to separate myself from the thing that I created somebody could hate a fic and I've had a couple of you know not not nice comments Mm -hmm. most of the time I just ignore them but and I would say that is the 0.001% of the comments. But you remember those, right? Mm-hmm. The one person who's nasty out of the 100 people who are nice, they're like, oh, why did they you know, bother? But I've, I've gotten to the point that I realize that if somebody hates the work, they hate the work. They don't hate me. Mm-hmm. If someone says, you know, I'm a, a fan of your work. Yeah, you're a fan of my work. You're not, you're not a fan of me. You don't know me. You don't know what I'm like. You know the snapshot. And I think I really needed to silo what I was writing from me as a human being and realize it it has nothing to do with my self-worth as a human. Mm -hmm. Uh, The important thing to me is getting into the fandom and creating allowed me to do more with social media, be more involved with the fandom and meet people. And that's where I get to decide what kind of person I want to be. That's not a reflection of the stories I write. Am I going to be supportive? Am I going to be kind? And I, I hope so. Am I going to fail in that sometimes? Absolutely. Mm
2: -hmm. But
1: overall, I hope that people that have met me virtually in whatever way, that their life is better for, you know, whatever form of relationship we have.
0: Does it ever feel weird having this offline life and then this online life where you've met people, you you gel and you have all these things and you get to create um, friendships from it, but then you also have this offline life where you actually talk to people in the same space at the same time at the same place.
1: It does. I think we all make a version of ourselves that we present to other people, whether it be, you know, the person who's checking you out at the grocery store, whether it be, uh, you know, a partner, spouse, child, or mother, or have it be a co-worker. I think we all bring slightly different versions of ourselves with us a while back, I I was a very shy kid. I wasn't comfortable talking to people. And then I was a very shy adult coming from that. Mm -hmm. So I started a job in customer service. This is the the first job I had in insurance. And I thought to myself, I'm gonna be surrounded by people. I have to talk on the phone constantly, which I despise. Mm -hmm. And I realized it wasn't a good, like a really good fit for me, but it was a good job. I needed the job. And I thought, how am I going to get through this? I said, well, I'm not. I like my personality is not suited for this, but I know someone who is. So I'm going to pretend, not, not pretend that I'm this person, but I'm going to act and try to react as I think she would. So when I walked into, you know, into the call center for the first time, as opposed to ducking my head, hiding down in my little corner and taking calls as quietly as I could. I made eye contact. I spoke with people.
0: I presented a personality that really wasn't what I was feeling. So you kind of embodied like a Sasha Fierce, like how um, Beyonce has her.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah, that's fine. I, I think it, I think it was definitely something like that. I, I put on a persona that I felt that I needed to. Like I put on this armor that I felt I needed to thrive in this you know, in, in this situation. And people would have, you know, who met me, they would be like, oh, you're, you know, you're outgoing, you're pleasant. And I'm a complete introvert, you know, leave me alone with my cats mm-hmm. and just let me, you know, tell my stories. And I'm, I'm
0: happy. Was um, that ever tiresome for you? Like when you woke home, were yes. you like, I need to die or yes. I die, but just like, leave me alone and let me be a blob?
1: Yeah, no, every day going out was like was like, you, like you gave blood every day. It was just draining like that. And you need the alone time. If you're, you know, introverted some you need the alone time to recharge your batteries now.
0: So have, um, would you say that that's kind of now become part of your personality or is it still a persona you put on? Or do you have to put it on less now that um, I think you said you work from home?
1: I, I do work from home. I do go into the office sometimes. Um, but I also like, I'll, I go out and meet clients and I do presentations. Like I'll, Mm -hmm. I'll get in front of hundreds of people and do a presentation about insurance. Um, and I don't feel like I put it on, Mm -hmm. but it, it slides into place. I think is a better way to put it. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's an unconscious manipulation of of who I want to present myself as. Mm -hmm. I definitely prefer the one-on-one conversations of, you know, Mm -hmm. sending somebody a dm to tell you them you know say that you love their work or just talking in the comment section of fix or just like this a conversation between you and i Mm -hmm. i feel like this is a much happier more natural place for me
0: yeah i get very anxious myself when i have to talk to lots of people because then for whatever reason i always feel like i need to be a piece of a puzzle that fits in the group does that make sense I can can see that. Sure. When it's just me and another person or even a third person, I can just be who I am without feeling like I have to be a missing piece. I don't know what it is, but that's kind of what it feels like to me sometimes. And so when the pandemic started for myself, I knew that the isolation would be very bad for me. So Hmm. I started the podcast where I had to talk to people and that gets scary sometimes, but it's also, it's also helped a lot for myself as well.
1: I can see that. And I mean, I definitely applaud you for seeing what would become a vacuum in your life and filling it Mm -hmm. with something productive and healthy. And then in this way, sharing it with with other people who now have a platform, you know, Mm -hmm. sharing your platform. That's just, that's a beautiful thing.
0: Yeah. And I like being able to talk to people who maybe don't believe the same thing as me or have a different perspective that i don't have because it's not my truth or it's not the way i live you know so i feel like being able to share everybody's different voices and around this one thing that we can all love fandom is a good thing
1: yeah well and this isn't you haven't created an echo chamber you've created a a a launching point for interesting discussions and, you know, we'll see how they go. But it's not it's not just a place where you say, here's what I think. And you have somebody on there going, I agree, you are correct.
0: That would be boring as heck. Yes. I would love to be able to have some sort of talk with somebody about, like, we would come together with opposing views or views that are similar, but also not similar, you know, and how we can try to speak to understand each other as opposed to speak to win. Because that's what I feel like sometimes happens in comment sections of places they like belittle the person they treat them poorly and I'm of the firm mindset that you catch more flies with honey than you do other things and I and the people who say oh you're just this are now becoming that themselves you know they make fun of somebody and I'm like you're doing it too you realize this right you're not above them simply because your view is different you are acting just like them with a different view So sometimes that's hard to look at. I try very hard to not be that person. Good on you. I I agree.
1: Fandom can get into a very high school clicky sort of feeling where it's, you know, I I ship these people and you ship other people or you ship one of those people or someone else. Well, you know, now, now we're meeting out behind the cafeteria after school, but really it should be, Hey, you know, let's all love and be creative and enjoy what we're doing. And as you said, it's more productive to Give people the space to to be who they are, to treat people with kindness, mm-hmm. as opposed to getting into a fight. Mm-hmm. And i unfortunately, I think I think Twitter is kind of a place to go to fight, and Facebook is a place to go to fight. Um,
0: I've been hearing things that Twitter is getting better, but twi- uh, for social media, this is very taxing on the brain sometimes. That's why yeah. I escape
1: into Tumblr a lot when I do something, and I find Insta is 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 fairly decent also. And maybe it's just a matter of the algorithms, mm-hmm. but they're easier places to go to to just love what you love without telling having someone tell you you're not allowed to Mm -hmm. and and as a queer person i'm very sensitive to somebody telling me you're not allowed to enjoy yourself in that way or you're not allowed to love that thing
0: yes why is it your business who i marry why is it your business what comic books i want to read or if i want to watch you know want to read comic books as opposed to watching the super bowl exactly so Celebrating other fandom creators, do you have any fic or artist rex or anybody you think people should take a look at and check out? I've I've worked with a, a wonderful artist. Her name the name
1: is spelled M-I-Z-H-U-I-N-Sween. I, I don't I don't know how it's pronounced. She has some some fantastic art, but I was I was lucky enough during the last supercar reverse big bang to work with her on one of my pieces. And we were in the same server. She had done an art piece once. I loved it. I wrote a the closest, I think it's the only mature story I've ever done. It definitely wasn't explicit, but it had mm-hmm. some nudity in it. So off of that piece, I I wrote a short fic. And then off of that short bit, she she created another piece of art. So that was that was absolute fun. She's very talented and just the nicest person in the world. Story-wise, I mean, I I, I enjoy all the, the big names that everybody does. It, Chaz and Lost Ariel and Lynn Arlington, right? Who doesn't love them? C and B, fantastic. Uh, Black Tea and Bones.
2: Mm-hmm. I
1: don't know if you know them. Very, very talented. Sea C Biscuit has a glorious way with words. For people who are a little less well-known, and I'm going to start with Morgana Storm 24 is my best friend. So I want to throw that out there. And she and I have written a couple of pieces together. She writes some great Sandverse pieces. So, if mm-hmm. anyone's interested in the sandverse fandom, Morgana Storm twenty-four, and then fancy fan stuff. Again, I don't think she gets anywhere near the recognition she should be. She wrote a fit called a New Beginning, and the concept is gay people get superpowers. Mm-hmm. That was that was like that was like the whole thing behind it, and it's de- it's it's really about Kara coming to terms with being gay, and that. That's how she starts to get her powers. And she's got to sort of figure it out. Like, she has to accept who she is to come to these powers. Mm-hmm. And then it's the relationship between her and Lena and Kara lying about being Supergirl. And there was this one line in it, which is after Lena has found out who Kara really is, has found out she's Supergirl, and they're definitely not getting on well, but they're forced into a situation together.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And there was a line about how hurt Lena is. And it's telling a lie is like honing a blade. Every repetition sharpens it further, adds to its lethality. Even the slightest slip up can cut to the bone. And Lena's skin had been soft, with trust. <gasps> right? That is fucking beautiful. I read that line and I stood up and walked away from my computer. I needed a moment. I just needed to, I needed to be alone.
0: Don't you love that. when stories do that too? Yes. God. If you haven't read Forever Girl, I think Amelia and I were talking about that on the Chit Chat and Cheesecake. Read that story, but do so when you have spoons. Okay.
1: <laughs> Understood. So
0: good, so good.
1: Yeah, so I, I think I think those are going to be my two unusual. Morgana Storm 24, if you like Sandverse, mm-hmm. and read Fancy Fan Stuffs, if you like Word
0: Smut, because she has some sexy, sexy syntax. Would you be willing to share some of their links with me? I'll send you their AO3s. Excellent. Thank you very much. Oh, absolutely. Well, I think this might be a good place to stop. Any last
1: words? That makes me sound, I I feel like you're going to give me a a blindfold and a a cigarette when you say any last words.
0: Okay. Anything you want to share with our listeners before we say goodbye? Sure. Let me throw out a couple of random things. Sure. When I
1: told people I was doing the podcast, one person asked me to say that yeast and opium are the two best daughter words for wordle because they each eliminate three vowels. Okay. I said I would share that. And that an ellipsis is a pause in a sentence. It is not a period. Okay. <laughs> so I promised I would share those two things. But I think that the last thing I'd really like to say is if you want to write, if you want to create in any way, if it's a minip's, you know, pen and paper art, digital art, video writing, just do it. Like, don't don't tell yourself you're not good enough because the only way you get better is by doing something. And every single person who's out here creating, the first thing that they ever did is the worst thing that they've ever done as far as creation. And you get better every day. And I I personally love to go back at, at my writing, my crappy, crappy beginning writing. And mm-hmm. it makes me think about how when you're a little kid and your parents draw, as you get taller and they write your age in the little line on the wall, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I look at my old work and I think, look how I've grown. So just create. It's Let yourself fail. Let yourself suck and learn from it. And know know that you're in a welcoming fandom with people who want to see you succeed.
0: There is absolutely nothing with no problem failing. It's completely okay. You will learn more from it than any success you ever have. True. This is true. And um, let people know where they can reach you and find you. Oh, I am DKG Writes on everything ao
1: 3 wattpad twitter tumblr insta dkg writes I, I i made it as simple as i could and no one else wanted my username so i didn't have to be
0: i didn't have to be particularly creative that's smart much easier and if you'd like to connect with me i am ayaka spencer on ao 3 and i am down the fandom hole with aya on tumblr and tiktok Thank you so much for coming on and talking with me today and for sharing some of the cool fandom experiences you had and our small tangent onto the political discourse <laughs> that we promised we would try to stay away from. And I think we did a good job for us. I think we did. All right. And before we close out today's show, I want to give a heartfelt mahalo to all the amazing fan beans for tuning in. And if you haven't yet, don't forget to check out the free companion post for this episode. It's got links to our social media, a few of the amazing fan creation from today's guest, shout outs to fellow fandom creators, and information on how you can become a supporter and gain access to supporter-only content. Until next time, don't forget to show some love to your favorite fandom creators. Always try to find that common ground. And no matter what anyone says, you're a creative and beautiful person. Peace out, Rainbow Trouts. And we're done. Yay. Okay, bye. Bye.